Yo, what's going on, Buy and Build fam? It's Gerald here. I know a lot of you out there are looking to improve your business, and there's no more cost-effective way than with terrific customer support. Our friend and guest of the show, Spencer Scott, is the man behind Median. Median is a new type of screen share software that allows you to interact with every person on your website in real time. It's like Zoom or Google Meet, except it gets installed right on your website, so there's no need to send any invite codes, downloads, or installs. As customers visit your website, all they have to do is click and join the session. Yes, it is as easy as that. Friends of the show, you get a special discount. Spencer and Median are offering 20% off for life to all listeners. Use the code buy and build, all one word. Again, that's buy and build. Click on the link in the description for more details and get your free trial today. Welcome to Buy and Build, the podcast about buying a business and building in public. Uncover the wins and losses as we renovate our business together. Come along for the ride. Now, here are your hosts of Buy and Build, Nicholas Scalp and Daryl Lim. What's going on, everybody? It's Daryl, your boy here from uh, Buy and Build, here with Nicholas Scaff. It's uh, one of our special episodes here. It's our first of her kind. Uh, I don't know, I was just talking to Nick about this. I don't technically know what we call your type of business, capital acquisition, but it's Calm Capital here with David and Marty. And uh, they're both graciously gave us their time. We're going to talk through how they got to this point, how they go into the acquisition and uh, all the different business points that people are looking into when they're trying to acquire their own businesses. So uh, thank you very much, guys, for coming on the call. Yeah, thanks for having yes. us. Uh, it's yeah. an honor to, to be here. So I appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. thank you. We did a little bit of research about both of you guys before you came on the call. So David, you used to be a pro uh, golf player. Yeah. You're, you have fast screens in your bio. Maybe you guys can talk, talk a little bit about those things. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that kind of goes maybe a little bit into how we met, but you know, I was, I played college golf and had a little bit of success and thought I would try to turn pro. So I turned pro, raised some sponsorship and then quickly ran out of talent and sponsors and, and didn't make it very far, but I played and went to Q school and I did mini tours and that type of stuff, but I still love to play. And I was actually on the mini tours. And back in the old days when CDs were what we used to listen to music, they new CDs came out on Tuesdays. And so I would hit up the local Best Buy and record stores on my way out of town for an event. <laughs> and I was probably wearing golf shoes. I'd just come for practice or whatever. And Marty was in there doing the same. And we just started talking about golf. And a few years later, he's in my wedding. And a few years later that we started building businesses together. So that's, uh, that's how golf fits into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were wearing golf shoes, uh, in Best Buy. I thought that was interesting. And so uh, <laughs> I commented on it and then we've been uh, friends for 20 years now. D David's background is in marketing and design and uh, mine's in software engineering. I was, uh, I wrote code probably from about 95 to 2010 ish or something like that. And then started getting into product leadership and leading dev teams and recruiting and talent and just putting teams together to build products and kind of went the entrepreneurial route for myself in about, I don't know, 20, 2014, 2015 and, and, and have done all that all along with, with David and some other partners. 
Nice. That's pretty amazing. I think what I really like about your guys' partnership the most is it kind of parallels with Nick and I's partnership. While we do host a show, Nick is the developer and I'm the business marketing sales guy. So it's, it's almost like we're <laughs> pretty much the same type of partnership. So I think like anything that you guys say in this call, we can probably learn a lot from. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to network with people and give people as best information as they can, because the space is kind of fairly new. Yeah. Anything that we can provide some light on, we want to try and do that. Cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's very similar. Um, I, have a, I have a golf related question for you guys. Do you think so there's, it's underappreciated how much golf is like a mindset game, right? Where it's, if you just whiff it, you have to reset. Do you guys have like a protocol for resetting and do you, do you kind of carry that over to business too? It's mm, good. Absolutely. To use the, the, the quickest one I'll look at or uh, that I'll kind of reference, I had a golf coach and I still do. And it was always about staying in the present, not managing expectations, managing nerves, realizing that all those things are, are good, but not to try to control them, but to kind of embrace and, and let them play out and learn how to deal with the, the flux. And then, yeah, so that's kind of, so to, specifically to your whiff question, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, it is that, right? It is staying in the present, forgetting that you just whiffed it, focusing on the target and the shot ahead and swinging without fear. So I would say that similarly in business is kind of thinking about, hey, this is the present thing that we're working on. We know what our total goal is and what, where we're trying to go, but we need to prioritize for what we want to accomplish next and what's going on next. And I don't know if Daryl, you're like this versus Nick. I'm like always thinking years ahead and big, really <laughs> big things. And Marty's like, that's great. So what is the next priority <laughs> in that 10 step process to get to where you're saying, which I agree we should go there, but what's the next priority that we need to focus on? And that's uh Similar in golf is, okay, you hit the next shot and then you hit the next shot and then you hit the next shot and not worry about the 18 holes score. So I think those two things kind of parallel. Yeah, I would say too, like the other big thing that that I learned from David's mentality in golf, and I think it applies to a lot of things, is when you have hit a bad shot or made a bad decision or done something in business or whatever, try not to make compounding mistakes. So if I hit it in the woods, let's focus on that already happened. Let's get back in, in the game and get to a position of strength again, versus like just hitting it further into the woods, <laughs> just <laughs> com compounding bad decisions or the, the just, yeah, having, having those decisions just kind of, kind of yeah, compound I and. Yeah, I never thought about it like that, Marty, but golf uh, in, in anything, really, you get into that sunk cost fallacy of, yeah. I'm in here, I've already invested, I'm, mm -hmm. in, I'm vested, I'm like into this, I'm going to get out through that really small percentage shot instead of saying, yeah. it's a business, I think, similarly, is kind of a law of averages, right? You hear about all the super huge success stories, and you hear about the super huge failures, but what I love about what Andrew's doing with MicroAcquire and just the, even you referenced the My First Million podcast, some of that, it's what are these like average businesses that you can really buy or build? We're on this podcast, we're talking more about buying things because we think that's certainly easier than zero, zero to one then, and we've done both. And so I think that's really uh, interesting insight, Marty.
Yeah, no, I, I love that because it totally makes sense. I'm just thinking about my own golf game and having PTSD <laughs> right now. <laughs> Shanking that ball and just being like, you know what? I haven't played for a year and a half. <laughs> oh, right. But yeah, no, I totally understand what you guys are saying. Everything compounds. You don't want to go on tilt and be like, oh, I got to do this because of this happened. I have to overcompensate. You got to just stay calm, understand the moment, and then reflect on what the best thing is at that point in time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think another analogy along those lines, right, is this when we really learned that in a recent acquisition is letting things play out. And let's say going back to the golf analogy, right, you can hit a really bad shot early in the hole in the golf hole, and all of a sudden you hit a really great shot, and uh, next thing you you save par with with a ten foot putt or something, right, and or have a bad stretch of a couple of holes. And then you go on a birdie streak and then it's you're it's a wash. And so I feel like letting things play out and not kind of getting into a negative spiral just because something doesn't quite go wrong uh, the way that you thought it was supposed to go. And mm-hmm. is, is, is a just resiliency, right? And that persist, persistence, I think, is important. I feel like I need golf lessons from you guys because you guys are hitting birdie. <laughs> not from me. Yeah. So we want to ask you kind of this whole partnership that you guys have going on and just for everyone on the call, you guys have, what is it? 10 businesses that you guys own. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I can't even fathom owning multiple businesses right now, like two or three, and you guys got 10. How did this partnership form in the first place? And like, how did you become that company that started acquiring more businesses? Yeah. So I would say the, it was pretty organic, right? So David had started some marketing design businesses. I had partnered with some other guys on a software businesses. So we kind of, we started in consultant, consulting servicing services firms. And part of that was just like, Hey, that's, this is great, but um, wouldn't it be cool if we could have some SaaS products and in, in the, di- the business dynamics around those kind of things versus always hunting the next project and the next client and, and, and that kind of thing. And so we'd always kind of had that dialogue. And then we, some of these businesses started growing and having good value and then having more people in them that could manage things. And you could start to see some leadership coming together. And then in like probably what late or mid 2019, I think actually about this time in 2019, about two years ago, I traveled to come speak at a, an event that David had for his marketing company. He wanted me to come in and talk about just the project management and engagement management and this kind of stuff. And during that, that whole thing, there's a whole story there about how a storm came up and my, my plane got diverted to a different city. And that it's really actually pretty interesting. And uh, we'll we'll maybe talk about that sometime, but basically we just said, what if we all rolled all this up into a holding company and we hired great leaders to operate the businesses and we had a focus on growth through acquisition. So what if we could focus on defining what a great business is, going out and finding those, could we find capital? And so we just really started with this hypothesis that like, like a, what if we could kind of statement. And then David had some, some, and, and what you guys should know about David is, is he's a, he's an amazing networker. D- David's just uh, so good at keeping a, a, a really broad group of uh, relationships and he invests in those relationships and, and it really does pay off. I'm, I'm a little more of a, a recluse, so to speak sometimes, but David's a fantastic networker. So he just started booking some meetings. We started floating the concept past some folks and, and we found 
We found two uh, two gentlemen who really liked the idea. We spent a lot of time having coffee and bagels with these guys over almost a, I don't know, probably what, a year or so, roughly before, maybe six months before we started kind of putting a deal structure for Calm Capital. So I, I would say like Calm Capital probably most closely is defined as like a micro PE, but we don't love that, right? Because we don't operate like a PE firm. It's really just a holding company that that owns and operates and, and buys additional companies. Yeah, I'd say it's like a micro PE meets family office kind of mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, buy and hold, but look at all the ways a deal could happen and no deal is the same. No founders are the same. So we have capital, but we work different types of deals because, you know, it's not always in the founder's best interest, the seller, the selling founder in their best interest to just get a cash offer and close fast, right? That might not be what they want, right? They might want to, it's their baby, or a lot of times it's their baby. They might want to have a way to sharing the benefits because they're a starter type person, not a grower scaler, not an operationalizer. Right. And so to just assume that everybody wants the same thing is, is not our philosophy. And that's why, because the mindset you think both P, most PE firms kind of operate in a certain way, they acquire things and what they do with them. And we have a little longer term calm kind of idea for doing that. But yeah, I, had, it, it was interesting. So I, with the kind of the profits, cash flows of Honestly, which is a mark, the marketing company Marty mentioned. I'd, we had been talking about this for 10 years. So it's not like we first started talking about it. We had talked about it in 10 years. In 2018, I acquired a company as like a guinea pig. I'm going to, Marty, I'm going to, this is kind of where we're going. We're not quite, some things had to work out, but I have the opportunity to buy this thing. I'm going to buy it, do a deal, figure it out, learn from that. We kind of talked through that. And then you know, it became one of the portfolio companies that we were able to kind of roll in when we we started Calm Capital. And that uh, we had his software company, Augusto, my marketing company, Honestly. Together, we had started a software support company called Loft with uh, some partners and a uh, scratch your own itch. We were looking for the uh, the base camp story, right? We needed to pay 1099 contractors. So we started a company called CrewPay. We're thinking it was going to be our base camp. Of course, you know, I don't know if you can say those words right now, but we thought it would be that and it didn't, but it's still around and kind of has customers. So that was kind of the, the uh, lead up to, to starting Calm Capital. And we just said, Hey, let's, let's do this. And, and one of the folks that was kind of mentoring us that had acquired and invested in a lot of stuff that Marty had mentioned, we, we kind of pitched this idea and they said, we'd, we'd love to have a minority passive, not really passive, but a minority, not high mental energy way to participate with you guys in that. And so they've been really helpful in kind of coaching us as we think about all the ways to do deal structure. Because I think there's a lot we can learn from traditional businesses and old school businesses that have been buying and selling each other for decades that oftentimes in the like cool SaaS space or software space or creative space, product hunt world, those things aren't even mentioned because People that are myself, like I've never had that experience. I don't even, I didn't even realize that was a thing you could do, right? And they've been kind of helping us with that. And we're just experimenting and not uh, caring if we look stupid or fail. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I think it's the biggest thing is we're just really, we know what we're trying to accomplish. We know enough that we put one, we just get started, put one foot in front of the other, but we also know that we don't have finance backgrounds or investor backgrounds or anything like that, but we're pretty good at recognizing what's a good product or what's a good business or what's, we can read income statements and balance sheets and see kind of, and cash flow statements. So we understand kind of what's going on there. We feel confident we can find great people, which is the core of every one of these things, right? Whether they're uh, full-time or contractors or agencies or whatever, we, we have confident we can, confidence we can identify and find good people. And I think that's huge. The other thing that's different too, about the way we've done it, which is probably different than a lot of other companies is we, we haven't raised a fund. So we haven't, we don't, we're not capitalized in a way that we're, we're on the clock to uh, make investments or um, hit milestones or get a return for somebody in a certain amount of time. That's another huge thing is we, we really kind of want to, wanted to as much as possible. Again, who knows the future we might make tomorrow. We might just make a decision that we think that's a good idea too, because we're still learning, but we, as much as possible, we're trying to get ourselves out of this situation of un, unnecessary pressures. If that makes sense, that like these external forces that, that force our hand at certain decisions versus just being patient and making the best decision with what, whatever information we have, what's going on in the market, what, what we kind of feel like doing at that time. Yeah. That's one of the things you have on your, your site too. Like in big, bold letters is patience. I love that it's, you guys are kind of operating on what you, you preach. <laughs> cool. So it's interesting. It seems like you guys on, on one hand acquired some companies, but also like really this isn't, we're just buying things. This is we've made like four of the companies in our portfolio here. I like that approach. I, I think it's common to see people just go buy a bunch of companies. And it's like mm -hmm. just a holding company. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, it's people with finance backgrounds who kind of run that and do analytics on all those. That you guys are going like, oh, we run businesses. We know this is good or this is bad. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Another interesting thing that happened along the lines that, that really wasn't completely with the acquisition thesis, if you will, like you're saying this past year, we co-founded a company called Catch Commerce. And Catch Commerce just released its first Shopify app to the Shopify app store, and it's called Shipping Insights. And Shipping Insights, what happened was, is there was some guys who, again, David, just through networking, had, had made, built a relationship. We had, I think you got, went to a dinner. I went to a dinner. We just barely knew these folks, but they were, their expertise was in e-com and logistics and everything around kind of e-commerce and shipping. Well, a lot of times they were helping their clients solve problems and kind of having to be this middleman to help their e-com clients get better deals with carriers and shippers and just all of that. And they, so they had this idea for a product and we have a model where we have access to marketing and development and all that kind of stuff. And so we took the lead and, uh, and have majority stake in catch commerce, but we have really interesting partners who are subject matter experts and understand both what the product should be, what would be valuable to the customers. And they have the distribution channel to go talk to and, and gain new customers. And so we formed that uh, partnership midway through last year. So like June, 2020, and we just released the app. Uh, it's the app store and uh, we're acquiring customers now. So that's really interesting where now we're just in like true kind of holding company mode where mm -hmm. uh, we just kind of helped ignite it and then, and 
provide their, some capital for it. So it was kind of like buying a, a company in the sense of how we're, how we're functioning with that company now. But it was interesting where someone could come to us and say, hey, we've got this idea. Do you want to yeah. help start it? So, so that was kind of unexpected that happened last year, but we thought it was a good enough bet. So yeah, you guys are going to become inky better soon, eh? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who, Who knows what we'll become? <laughs> <laughs> We're winging it. Nice. Uh, do you have like a core criteria for, for acquisitions? Because it seems like a lot of, like you said, like how you feel, like if it looks good, does that feel good? Yeah, yeah. it's like... Go ahead, David. Yeah. It's part gut, but it's simple businesses that have simple business models, really clean finances. And, and Daryl, you being on the sales marketing side, like I can see how, like I can, I'll look at it and say, oh, I see how you have customers, right? How you get them, how you keep them. I see that you have some, a, some messaging or something that, you know, is, has a place to, to go and has some legs. Marty can kind of come in and look at make like at a high level that the technology is organized in a way that it can be maintained and built upon and is going to sustain growth. And then, and then it's really, it's just, is it simple? Does it have, could it be around for a while? Could this be around for a while? And to what Marty talked about previously, it's, is this a business that one, we can per we can acquire in a patient way, right? Like, that we don't have to, we're not going to get in a bidding war. We're not going to get into some sort of like sense of urgency or FOMO or anything like that. So that's one end. And then is the business, can we be patient with it? Can it just grow 1% a month? It doesn't have to, doesn't have to rocket ship the hockey stick growth. Is it profitable? Of course, right? Does it make, does it turn a profit every month? And then is it purposeful? And that kind of goes back to the, the marketing side. Does this solve a real problem? Does this have a purpose in the market for its customers. So that at a really high level is our criteria. And, and Nicholas, I, if you had asked me six months ago, I would have given you a dollar amount, but mm. yeah, we just acquired wave and it was two times more than we thought we were going to spend on our next acquisition, but it, it checked all those boxes. We really liked the founders. And we said, if, if these smart people keep telling us money's the easiest one, then we'll, let's see if we can work out a deal to, for this to work and, and it happened. So I'd say that would be the criteria there. Yeah, it's funny because we, so in the fall, kind of segue into that a little bit is in the fall of last year, we, we were ready to buy another business. So we had bought a uh, WordPress themes business in, I think we closed on it in early June or, or May last year. And, and, and we hired a operator actually he came in and put in capital alongside of us which is interesting too so we're not opposed we don't have to own 100 percent if if we have somebody who wants to manage the business and they would like some skin in the game we'll open that door if they want and anyway so we we got three or four months passed and we got that kind of up and running got that integrated into everything and then we, we were like, let's go find something else. And uh, so it was, I think, September, October timeframe. And we kind of made a criteria. We kind of wrote a, like a, I don't know, like a one-page Google Doc. And we, I just tried to describe it a little bit on the financial side, a lot of, you know, all of what David's saying. And then we actually hired a college intern who, who was in finance and was kind of doing this kind of stuff later. He was a senior, he just graduated, but, and I, I gave him, we gave him a project and uh, paid him a little bit like a contractor to 
go get, make a list. And the idea was 50, 50 targets. And he, he kind of put together a model, like a grading system, if you will. And he rated them on many different factors. And this kind of created this 50 company dashboard that we could look at and pretty easily kind of have a scoring mechanism. Some of it was quantitative, some come qualitative. And so that was really fun. And wave was in the top 10, I think of that list. And yeah, we went from there. So we are kind of developing to answer your question. We're developing some criteria and a little bit of it, but it's definitely a work in process for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Glad to hear it. You have an actual, like everything, everybody learns through certain things that they do and what's good and what's bad. And I think that's really important because that's how you develop like your perfect follow-up and how you do things properly, your procedures, right? And like, actually a good segue into that is what's the most painful lesson that you've learned during all these acquisitions? Yeah, before I jump into that, I, and I, I do appreciate you guys for starting this podcast because in the first two episodes, you're starting to kind of create that process in the open for how you bought ClassCast. And I'm sure y'all do more things if you want, but it's so much what you just said, Daryl, just kind of like do something. Okay. What of that did we, that we just did was good that we want, want to do again. And then how could we make that repeatable? So that's super smart. Painful lesson. It sounds being really brief on this, but it sounds cliche. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's painful because it's the internal struggle of just being completely transparent and vulnerable here. It's the internal struggle of wanting to force or know the outcome. Like we're, as, as much as we talk about calm, right, which we are, and that's kind of our, it's a little aspirational, right? This is the way we want to do business, but our emotions and all aren't any different than anybody else's, right? So like through these deals, some we haven't won. We've looked at, I don't know, maybe 75, 80 businesses since uh, 2000, like late 2019, Wow. Some we've gotten pretty far, some we haven't. And, and it's like the, not like the challenge of wanting to will it when in, in reality, like we really don't have that much control over the outcome, right? We, all we can do is do the best we can. There's another person or group of people on the other side that, that you, there's a really good book called Never Split the Difference. It talks about negotiation, right? And he talks about, it's not you versus them. It's y'all on the same side of the table working through this problem of a sale, right? And it's, how do you do that? But you still fight the, the painful part is like, is like walking that out through the process. It's painful to, to send an email that only has one question in it, not 50 questions, right? <laughs> right, it's painful to, have something out there, be waiting to uh, hear back, right? And the and you're wondering, going back to the golf analogy, like your mind's going in both directions of, oh, they're going to come back and say, why don't y'all just have it? And uh, all the way to get away from us kind of thing, right? Like it's, it's painful to just kind of be through the process of the acquisition because there's so many unknowns and you have so little control over what happens. That I would say that's my painful lesson, but I'm still learning even having done this a couple of times, a few times. Yeah. My, my answer is the same, Daryl. I think, I think patience, right. And just letting go and, and not realizing that you're not in control. When we just did this wave deal, there was no broker involved. We did it completely direct. And um, via Slack mostly. 
Yeah, we <laughs> negotiated almost the entire deal via Slack. I, I bet we didn't do, what, five calls the whole time in four months. So tons of just asynchronous, which actually was a really awesome way to do it because you could communicate something or ask a question or answer a question. And then it could be a day or two before just letting people, letting it marinate a little bit, let people like really have a thoughtful answer to come back. And so that was really fun. It's also really interesting of once we had an LOI in place, then we had to figure out all of the things you have to figure out, right? The financing is the big one. And I, it was really interesting how like me personally, and not just me, but I was really cared a ton about being good for our word, so to speak, right? And really just really cared about following through, about getting it done because I wanted to commit to what we said and make the, the whole thing come together. But even that wasn't, that's not completely in our control too, right? So yeah, just being patient and letting it, like we were saying earlier with the golf analogy, just like letting it all play out, I think is the the biggest lesson. And also just like how it was such a better deal. It was such a better deal because of the approach we're describing. Better for everyone. I don't, I don't just mean calm capital, right? Like it, it was a better deal for David and I it personally. It was a better deal for calm capital as a company. It was a better deal for the founders overall and the new kind of new LLC that purchased the assets, so to speak. And we brought in one other investor alongside and it's going to be great for them as well. So that was just a great lesson, right? Is around the importance of patience. I remember one time where I'm like, okay, David, we found a great company. This is, we've put together a great deal, but the, the final mile, we just can't control every aspect of that. And if, you know, this thing's either going to come together or it's not. And we're glad it did come together, but if it hadn't, for some reason, we felt good about. We were at peace we, with it. Yeah. Yeah. We did what we could do. And I think there's learning those kind of things and maybe other people that have an investor in finance background that have done this more or been schooled in it and somehow know these things already about how to have all this patience and let go of the anxiety and all that. Maybe that's true. But for me, I've had, to, I've had to learn it a lot. No, I think yeah. that's a great lesson for any entrepreneur, like trust in your process, go through the motions and just let things happen. And I think I'm sometimes guilty of not being able to be patient and just being like, hey, I'm going to throw every marketing thing on the board and try and figure out and let's go, <laughs> let's figure this out. I have a timeline, but I think you're right. Like sometimes you got to sit back and just be like, okay, I've done this. What do we need to do next? Take a breath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, again, that's the dichotomy, right? Like us as entrepreneurs, or certainly people who are builders or makers or create things, entrepreneurs, like we, we default to action. We default to great delivery to whoever we promise something to, right? We default to working harder than other people and doing the practice and all of that. Like David said, we've looked at, we're only talking about three or four businesses, but we've looked at 80. So there's all of those reps that you get in and you get in that mode of action. And sometimes what we're learning is that the action you need to take is waiting. And that's the, that's just part of the process. And that's a thing to do. If that makes sense. That's a, that's like a to-do item. Wait. (laughs) That's like a motivational quote. (laughs) Right. Right. Just wait, go for a walk. That's the other thing is, is, We've gotten our steps in, haven't we, David? We, Man, I've walked. We put our airpods in and 
and go just go for a walk. Just get away and, from the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> Tens of thousands of meters on the uh, water rower. Go. <laughs> I don't know if you guys do any like sports betting, but they call it the sweat where it's kind of locked in my lineup. Yeah. Like masters are going to go this way. This guy's going to win in three days. Is yeah. that uh that's probably like uh, crypto these days then. That's <laughs> so kind of probably the same yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's exactly how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh man. So do you guys, you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. Do you have like central operations for some of these things? Are you like taking advantage of economies of scale for advertising or marketing or things like that? Yeah, I'll let Marty answer. He's the, he is the the best operations minded person I've ever been around. I'm going to make a mess and he, he organizes it into repeatable processes. Before I turn over, I will say as a whole, the businesses can run, they run autonomously. So no one, again, not to dog on PEs because they do have a, a place, right? There's some really good PE firms that do great things with the companies. But our understanding of that is a lot of times they're not necessarily forcing, but it's you kind of enter into this system so that, that you can achieve these maximum operations to scale. For us, it's more about making, I'll let Marty kind of talk a little more in depth, but it's more about making the things that we can operationalize available to the companies, but it's not, the leaders lead the companies. We don't say, hey, use this over here. It's once you kind of come into the Calm family, you have access to everything, but you don't have to, you're not forced to use it kind of thing. Yeah, that's a, it's a decentralized approach for sure. The biggest thing is we want each of these businesses to stand on their own two feet. So from uh, their books, their, their operations, their leadership, their staff, the vendors that they use, they, they need to be good business in and of, of their own right. They each need to be profitable. They each need to be figuring out how to grow one, two, three percent month over month or more, but they need to, they need to really be good businesses all on their own. And so like David said, so, so for example, all the businesses have their own manager or managers who run them and operate them. Then they obviously, because we have services businesses, they may use Augusto for custom software or Loft for software and customer and user support, or honestly for marketing and, and design and growth. So, so we make those things available, but we definitely don't mandate it or anything like that. There is a lot of synergies there though. And to your point of economies of scale, there's some easy buttons uh, for people to push. I would say the other thing that we did this year, that was, which I really like is we hired, we spent a lot of time like hiring an attorney and a accounting and bookkeeping firm and a CPA firm for tax. And again, we're not going to mandate it, but currently all but two of the businesses use those same providers. So there's a lot of, and, the, and then we're from Calm Capital's perspective, we're feeding kind of our mindset to those folks, th those vendors. And so that's really nice. So for example, when Wave just, we're a month in now of merging, if you will, Wave into being a Calm company. And it's really nice to be able to send a couple of emails, have a couple of Zoom calls, and all of a sudden you've got QuickBooks set up and you've got payroll of Gusto set up and you've got the Stripe data flowing in and, and you've got all uh, your legal, credit, all yeah. the legal. Yeah. So all of the things that you, a PE firm would probably do as they start to transition, we've kind of, we're kind of realizing we need to do that. And so that's where we're at right now. I would say looking forward as we continue to grow what david and i have talked about and this is maybe a little bit where the family office 
piece comes in. Even though we're not technically family, we behave that way a lot of times, good and bad. But we, but we do think that there's probably some calm capital employees, a small group of A-team players, right? So I could see us having somebody that does have that finance and maybe that M&A background, but they'd like to use those superpowers in the thesis of Calm Capital, right? I could see a, a veteran kind of CTO kind of person. I could see like a CMO, like people who have a, a lot of experience and a lot of, but they have to be a really good fit for kind of what we're doing and where we're going. Because there's so many phases that those people could kind of drop in, right? So if we're looking at a deal, there's a lot of due diligence activities that we would love a Calm Capital kind of uh squad or whatever that could go in, look at finance, look at tech, right? And of course, the legal and, and accounting and all of that, but also on the growth side, right? So then if you do acquire the company, there needs to be a transition plan. Maybe you have a CEO, like with Wave, we recruited a C the CEO during due diligence. And so day one the, of us owning the company, the transition was to him, not to us. Mm. Right. So that was super key. And we, uh, so it's his thing. He's in set, he has a full-time salaried em employee, but he's also incentivized to grow the company on a, on a, on an operating plan that we come up with. And then we put like an interim CTO in place so we could transition the, the, the tech. But so I, I feel like there's those kind of what I would, what I'm kind of calling it, which is probably a PE firm term, but it's op this operational excellence, right? Where you've got to have something in the acquisition phase and the due diligence phase, and then in the early kind of hyper support transition phase, right? The first 60 to 120 days, that's really important phase, but then getting, pulling those people out or phasing them out and then letting it, the business be de completely decentralized. So that's kind of our vision. We think that's maybe five less than 10 person team at Calm Capital in the next five, 10 years or so. We'll see. Yeah. Building a lot of special forces. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, that's the analogies we use very much like a spec ops uh, language we that David and I use. Of course, we like to nerd out on that stuff. I have zero experience, just a lot of respect for those guys and appreciation. So nice. So there's so much more questions we want to ask you. So we'll end off with one of these final questions. It's more along the lines of in that group that we're in, David, there's like in microfire, there's like tons of people who are like, looking lose and trying to figure out, Hey, should I buy this business? What should I do? And you guys are so um, experienced now. And you're like veterans, like, of course, we always have things that we can learn, but if you had some advice for them, if they're looking to buy and build, what is your guys' advice on that? You between the two decision between buying and building most of the yeah. people on the board. Yeah. They're, they're going to buy and then they're going to go build. So is there something Got that it. you would suggest in the process Should they do an audit on the website? What can they perform on the website to make it better? Or what do they see in the future? What do you guys look for? Yeah. Go ahead, Marty. Yeah. I would say number one, I would say trying to figure out how, is, is this a good business today? Right? So when I buy it, is it in, is it a turnaround? You got to just got to know that's number one. It's kind of no, current state and then compare that to where, what your um, goals are for it. Right. So am I buying something that is just going to die slowly and I'm okay with that? Am I going to buy something that's in a dire strait and I need to quickly turn around? 
am I buying something that for, because of market competition, I have to change it. Like it's not in a bad state, but it, it would die quickly if I don't add a feature or revamp it or, or that kind of overhaul it. Right. So it's number one, really knowing, trying to figure out what is the current state and then two, where am I going to take it next? And then the big question to ask yourself, and at least in our opinion is, am I up for that? Because no matter which of those things, it's going to take that, that work. And either I need to fund that work, which takes work to recruit the person who's going to do it, or I've got to do the work myself in a bootstrapping way. Then you really got to just be up for that challenge. Meaning just because we're buying things, it's not magic, right? Like it still is going to take the, the good practices and work and, and consistency. It's going to take some luck, right? Timing kind of luck. That's what's going on in the world and the market and everything. So that's my advice is really try to figure out what is the real current state? What am I going to do with it? And ask myself, ask yourself, like, how am I going to actually do that? And who's going to do it? And those kind of things, just normal business stuff. Right. And that that's my two cents. The only thing I would say is after that, then don't worry about the money and the terms and the asking price. If you find a good business, start a dialogue and see where it goes. I, the first business we bought or one of the first businesses that this one that I bought back in 2018, the asking price and where we landed was so far off. And I ended up only having to come out of my own pocket a thousand bucks. And it was making $5,000 a month oh, in r revenue, right? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I was able to finance it with some debt. The loan amount was a third of the free cash flow. And it just, but I, but looking at it on the surface, I was like, I do not have this much money in cash to buy this thing, but I know I can, I knew the current state. I knew the market. I thought I had a good plan for how to, to grow it. And so I would just say, after you go through that, what Marty talked about, start the dialogue and not worry about too many of the details. If you'll quickly know if there's a path forward or not. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Don't shoot yourself in the foot before you start. Yeah, like we talk about this a lot on the topic, you know, marketing side is don't self-edit, right? The client can edit and give you revisions. Don't edit yourself before you throw the idea out there. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> That's a new yeah. one for my book. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell both of us have the gears turning here. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on the call, guys. Really appreciate it. Actually, would love to have you guys back on the call again. There was, there was some questions that I sent over an email before and we couldn't get to them, like like a case study and actually going through the whole process of one of the businesses. I think people would love to hear from beginning to like where you guys are at with all the processes because that will that goes through everyone's mind. It goes through our mind too, right? But yeah, thank you much for coming on the call. I just want to know, do you guys want to give us a plug and uh, let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so thanks so much. I really enjoy the conversation. We're happy to come back and talk more. We love, this doesn't ever feel like work. We just, uh, we love talking about this kind of stuff and we're excited. We've learned so much from podcasts like this, right? To get us to this point. And so we're going to keep doing that from guys like you. So thanks for the work you're doing. You, people can find us at the best way is calmcapital.com. Uh, all one word and all, our identities and our, and all of our other info are on there, but so yeah, just calmcapital.com and, and yeah, really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys and meet you. Perfect. Yeah. We'll be sure to include like a link in this description of this episode. Everyone can connect with you and we'll be sure to follow up with some emails and maybe we can uh, talk a little bit more privately and make a network here. Yeah, we'd love it. We'd love it. Thanks.
Perfect. Thank you, everyone, for uh, joining us on this call. Look forward to the next episode and talk to you all soon. You can find more episodes and a link to the community of Buy and Build Podcast at buybuildpod.com. Remember to like, rate, and share with your friends on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Join us again next week as we continue our journey. We'll see you in the next one.